Today, our show is sponsored by Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you are among them, know that you're not alone and there is a solution you can trust to deliver results. Thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol offers targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. Healthier hair growth takes time. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months of use. Nutrafol is physician-formulated to be 100% drug-free. They use medical-grade botanicals in consistently effective doses so you get the most reliable results. And no matter your stage in life, they have a solution. Nutrafol women's formulation is ideal if you're experiencing thinning hair loss caused by stress, dieting, overstyling, or environmental toxins. Their other formula, Women's Balance, is for additional hormone support for those with thinning hair through menopause. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code SELFIE to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code SELFIE. Today's sponsor is EveryPlate. Initially, I thought meal kits had to be expensive, that there were kind of a splurge. But as it turns out, EveryPlate is more affordable than groceries. Their quality ingredients come pre-portioned to help you save money and reduce food waste, you know, like the bag of spinach that I throw out every single week. You can skip the store and let every plate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. For me, in the summer, I'd rather be out enjoying the sunshine than cooking. Every plate helps me do just that. Simple, stress-free recipes come together in just six steps and are ready in about 30 minutes or less. You can choose between 17 recipes that change every week and swap proteins and sides to your liking, so you can switch up dinner routines however you want. Every plate helps me experience more of my favorite things in life by saving me time and money, which means more money towards vacations, concerts, the list goes on. You can choose from classic plate, veggie plate, family plate, and easy plate preferences to serve up crowd-pleasing meals night after night. Try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code SELFIE179. Again, that's $1.79 per meal at everyplate.com with the code SELFIE179. Hey everyone, I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and a psychotherapist. And I'm Rue Powell, an admitted workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves. We think self-care is important, but it can simultaneously be elusive. We don't lack information about it, but we don't always quite get there. So this podcast is dedicated to exploring different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious. We're looking at health, relationships, beauty, periods, and maybe a touch of the random. We also want to look at the hurdles we face that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. To submit questions to me or Rue, or to Claire, our beauty expert, or BJ, our resident therapist, join us in our private forum by searching Selfie Podcast Community on Facebook. Hey, guys. Today, we are going to be talking with author Kate Fowler. She's the author of a book called Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved, which may be one of my favorite book titles ever. She and I are talking about that human impulse to put a bow on our suffering and to make meaning of everything bad that happens and how it can be harmful to try to make meaning as a way to circumvent grief. We're also going to hear from BJ. She's talking to us about how to help our children thrive in the midst of so much uncertainty in the world right now. 
Today's episode is brought to you by letsgetcheck.com. They are the leading provider of at-home health tests. A hormone imbalance can lead to all kinds of symptoms from feeling tired all the time to insomnia, breast tenderness, headaches, weight gain, even changes in your blood pressure. If you're wanting answers about your hormone levels or any other health issue, it's a great option. Their tests come straight to your door and you self-collect your blood sample from the tip of your finger. This week, letsgetcheck.com wants to invite you to join their community with a 30% off discount code SELFIE30. All right, Rue, how are you doing today? Good. I'm actually really excited for um, this conversation with Kate. I saw her at Why Christian, mm-hmm. which is a conference um, that happens, well, when there is not a COVID year. And I heard her yes. speak about speak about her book, and I really, really liked it. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, she's so wise. Yes. And she's also an Enneagram too, which, you know, I felt an instant uh, kinship with her hearing about that. <laughs> Love it. Um, my self-care is going, um, you know, it's going okay in consideration of everything that's going on in the world. You know, I feel like I feel like we do that when people say, how are you? And you just kind of gesture like, well, in consideration <laughs> of all of this. Yeah. Widely gesticulate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I have been I've been doing a good job in taking care of myself in that I am not staying up super late just for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. So I have been going to bed, you know, around 10, which is wow. uh, nicer than, yeah, than staying up late just to make myself angry or sad just going through Twitter. Yeah. Um, so I have been doing that and I have been working out, which is uh, nice. exciting, working out from home. And I have not been doing it every day, but enough where I'm like closing my, my rings and moving my body and feeling pretty good about that. Or I'll uh, take one of the girls and say, hey, grab your phone and your headphones and we'll both listen to audiobooks and like kind of walk in silence next to each other. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been not bad. I've been uh, staying away from um, Twitter when it's upsetting me or Reddit yeah. when it's upsetting me or, you know, th- that sort of thing. And I find that has been super key. How oh about my you? Gosh. Well, I mean, that's funny because that's exactly what I was going to say. I feel like one of my biggest self-care habits right now that is helping me is unfollowing people who make me feel angry. Um, You know, just when I get triggered, when I'm starting to feel like really frustrated and angry, it's like, okay, who's making me feel this way? And how Mm -hmm. can I take that person's voice out of my life? And so for me, that has been... That has looked like just kind of unfriending some old friends that are posting constantly about conspiracy theories um, or QAnon stuff, which for me, that's a it's a massive trigger because it is, you know, it's a wild conspiracy theory that is preying on Christians, but that really um, at the end of the day, it came out of 8chan, which is the dumpster fire of the Internet Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say anyone to anyone who is like, I don't know what QAnon is, or I'm curious, or I kind of believe some of the stuff. If you guys remember when my children yes. and me were attacked by white supremacists online and by attacked, I mean, like they posted photos of my house and posted pictures of my kids where they modified things and all sorts of other horrible things that came out of 8chan. Oh, sorry. Is that the same as 4chan? It is 
It is a little more, I think, unregulated than 4chan, but yes, they're very much related. Mm. Mm. And so they have a, it's, it's POL, it's politically incorrect. Um, anyway, the, the bottom line is this is the dumpster fire of the internet. And there's a person called Q who leaves breadcrumbs and they're very vague and they're pointing at all these conspiracies and they're very like anti-liberal. Um, anyway, it, it's, triggering for me to watch friends fall into this and to keep spewing the stuff. And, you know, it's always very much like a wake up people. (laughs) Right, right. Wake up sheep. (laughs) Oh, yes. Everyone's a sheep. And the mainstream media is just telling you lies. And what do what do they not want you to know and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, so I've just been distancing myself from that. um, Because it just makes it makes me angry. It makes me feel it makes me lose faith in humanity. Um, also, just, you know, the people who are pushing back on science or on, you know, social responsibility, on masks. Um, I also, it's funny, I actually got kicked out of a Facebook group in my town. Oh, what um, did you do? Which has always been, this has also always been a dumpster fire. It is just, it, it is a place where... It, it's like a lot of conservatives, a lot of kind of what we just talked about. And it's also they they have active racists in there that are not Ugh. kept in check because the admin is like, well, you know, it's a public square and I want people to see what is going on in their town, which I don't agree with. I think it should be edited. Um, so I made a joke on Twitter like a month ago and I said, I'm taking all of my Karen energy into screenshotting racist people on Facebook and sending it to their employers. And I guess someone in that group, which I actually have not ever done. I mean, it was mostly a joke. Yeah, you know? it's a, hyperbole. Hyperbole, exactly. Like there are many things that I write that, you know, I would maybe do if there was an extreme example, but I, I actually don't have the time to do that. Right. Um, it was hyperbole. It was a joke. But I guess someone in the group saw that and they kicked me out. That reminds me of, so we have a mutual friend in Caleb Wilde. Yes. Who is a mortician. Yes. And he's also a writer and he's yes. also very funny. And so he yes. made this joke ages ago about how <laughs> when he deals with dead bodies, he ties their shoes together because he thinks it would be really funny during a zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And of course he mm-hmm. doesn't tie the, you know, he doesn't tie dead people's shoes together. It was just a funny, and people were oh, I so remember. angry. Yeah. <laughs> just, you got in a lot of trouble for that. I, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so I have a hack for unfriending people. Yeah. And I know this sounds really mean, but I had to do, I had to like clean house not too long ago. And it's not like the people that I unfriended, if you are listening, I did not unfriend you necessarily because I don't like your politics. I also have this, this, you know, I am private to an extent, you know, I'm very much online. Yeah. But the stuff I, st- I share on my personal Facebook page is very much for my friends. Yeah. So if we haven't talked in like four years. Yeah. I, you know, we, I can, I can follow you on Twitter. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't need to share photos of my children and, you know, like you don't need to know my locations yeah. and, and that sort of thing. So I, I did a big clean, and one thing that I do that sounds mean is that anytime it's anytime it's someone's birthday, I look to see if we've talked. 
Hmm. And if we ha- and if we haven't spoken, then I just unfriend them on their birthday, <laughs> which <laughs> which they probably I would think people don't notice. No, and also like and also and, and that's not I don't I'm not deliberately doing that on their birthday. It's just, it's just because, a reminder, it, right? Because it just kind of pops up in that right hand corner, and so it's either like I like this person enough that I'm going to either text them and wish them a happy birthday or send them a greeting, or yeah, we're not that close, and if we're not that close, then I can catch up with you and some other. Like, I can say hi to you in Costco. I don't need to, yes. you know, or whatever. So I can't tell if that's incredibly mean or just, um, you know, I'm using a lot of uh, judgment, like good judgment no, here. No, I think in- it's good judgment because I think a part of the reason that there's so much, like, fighting online is our circles are so big. We're not in community with people. And so we're fighting with, like, people, you know, someone that we went to third grade with about right. – you know, what we think of the government. And it's it's usually not productive conversation. I have to say, having been kicked out of the Facebook group I just mentioned, I feel much saner. I, you know, I mean, I'm not being exposed to the dark underbelly of the city I live in, which I don't think is representative of the city as a whole. But you can start to feel that way when you're in groups like that. And like, I do think that there is a lot to unfollowing, unfriending, leaving groups, you know, and, and I mean, especially in this time right now, that doesn't mean like closing your eyes to the news, but it's just like, we don't have to entertain every thought that every crazy person that we once knew puts online. Yeah, a hundred percent. And there are people that I have, you know, respected as church leaders, you know, you know, over like when I was younger that uh, believed in like they've shared about that JFK Jr. conspiracy theory that he was alive and he's going to run for and Donald Trump's going to make him vice president or, or so, it was like something just so bizarre yeah. that I was kind of shocked. And I'm like, I cannot believe that these people that I, you know, I, I just it, it was it was so shocking to me that, um, you know, I think when you when you have that happen and like this is like 2020 is a huge test for friendships. Oh, it no kidding. There is no need to like this is a great year to make your circle small. Yes. I totally agree. So I'm on I'm on board with you getting kicked out of Facebook groups and like unfriending everyone with a terrible conspiracy theory. And that's where I'm at. Like anti-vaxxing flat earthers. I, I, you know, that's just not something that I'm going to entertain right now. Yeah. 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 And it's one thing. I mean, let me clarify. I think it's one thing if people have personal views on vaccinations and personal choices. But when being an anti-vaxxer becomes your identity and all that you post about, you know, and it's not just like a personal choice, but it becomes like a an agenda, then it's like, I'm not interested. Yeah, I had, you know, a woman, you know, in this in the same industry that we're in that I, you know, knew well enough, um, was just constantly on my Facebook page, just like dropping links to anti-vaxxing material. And yeah. I was like, look, this is like a conversation that I am going to have with my kids' doctors and not totally and not with you. Yeah. And um then she kind of she blamed vaccinations for the reasons why my kids have food allergies. And oh, that's boy. when I I had to draw a line. I was like, okay, it, it's fine if you want to share stuff on your yeah. page. Go nuts. But yeah. um yeah that's it's it's too much. This episode is sponsored by Swanson Health, a great source for quality vitamins and supplements and eco-friendly home products and beauty items. Swanson Health carries over 20,000 wellness products at a great value. 
so you can pick up all your favorite health products, plus discover new ones. If you want to try any of Swanson Health's great products for yourself, use code SELFIE20 for 20% off on Swanson.com. Okay, so how about your two thumbs up? Okay, my two thumbs up are both fun self-care items. My first is, um, you know I'm always on the hunt for a good low-sugar chocolate. Yes, for and your desk drawers, yes. I, in my desk drawer, yes. I do love my Keto Bark. I still love that stuff, but I did find another one that I really like a lot, and it's called Red Chocolate. Um, it is 50% less, less calories than typical chocolate. Mm. Um, it's really, it's a dark chocolate. It's a hard chocolate, which I like. I like my chocolate hard, if that makes sense. Like, I don't like that really soft, soft chocolate. Oh, sure. Yeah. I like it with a little bit of a, not a crunch, but you know what I mean? Like, I like some some bite texture. Yes. Yeah. Um, but what I really like about this one is, um, it has a slight orange flavor. Ooh, I like that. So it's dark, has a nice orange flavor. So yes, red chocolate. I'm really liking that one. Um, does it taste, does it taste like, do you get any like fake sweetener taste to that? No, I don't. I will say that the texture is a little bitter. It's a little bit bitter. Um, oh, I don't mind a, I don't mind a bitter chocolate. I like a bitter also, chocolate. It's reduced fat. So this one is mm. 50% less calories, but also reduced fat. So it it doesn't have the like rich chocolate flavor. I mean, it definitely mm-hmm. it's not it doesn't taste exactly like, you know, regular chocolate. But for a lower calorie treat, it is very good. I like that. Yeah, I like it a lot. And then I got some new sheets that I really like. Um, they are, it's called Sorry, bed sheets, bed sheets, yes, okay. sheets for the bed. It, it, they're called peach skin sheets. Um, so it's summer and we don't use our, we don't have central AC in my house. I do have a mini split in my room. Um, but it can get warm. It can get warm. Let's just yeah. say. Um, so these are microfiber. That's really light. It's lighter than cotton and it helps to wick away night sweats which is very nice for me right now because I can, I just, I do, I get night sweats from time to time. So they're really soft. Um, they feel really thin and really, they feel kind of, I don't know, luxurious. I really like them. Well, it's funny because we were talking about that in the Facebook group, you know, people like I have been getting crazy night sweats and yeah. I'm like, I feel like, am I too young? I feel like I'm too young to be premenopausal, but, um, a lot of people were recommending also like cooler, pajamas too yes. that that fight night sweats and and they were also recommending sheets too so i think yeah. i need to go all in on like the anti night sweat sheets and pj so i'll i'll you check should. those out yes you should what have you got well i you know as you know i'm in like prepping for homeschooling mode until yes. until the government uh comes up with something super cool so i have found these like they're dry erase pocket sleeves but they're they're nice they're like they're trimmed in fabric, so they mm. are, um, they're sturdy and they're not like the ones where you draw on them and then like they stain forever. And what I have right now for my girls is they've got like morning routines and chores mm-hmm. and, uh, we kind of hang that up or, um, we keep it in their room and they can like, there's like a little lanyard attached to it too. So they can just, we can hang it on, uh, doorknobs or they might just like walk it downstairs to keep track of what they have to do for the day. And so it's like, okay, before breakfast, you have to do these things. Mm-hmm. Before you have any screen time, you have to do these things. Yep. And then they have weekly chores and routines too. And that has been really nice. And, um, they're like 
they they have taken some chores off my list altogether. I have not loaded or unloaded a dishwasher in weeks, which is great. <laughs> Love and it. then we we plan on doing it for schoolwork too. And the one thing that I heard is that don't stick to a strict schedule, but stick to like a pattern, right? Like a routine yes. Yes. Uh, because things happen. And so yeah. I will be using these heavily for um, fall schedules, but also it's nice for like my youngest is eight. So just reusing for, um, you know, worksheets and that sort of thing too. They're super handy. We've been using them for lots of different things. So I really like these. Super cool. I'm going to get some of those too. I really like that idea of just yeah. having, you know, something that can be a little checklist, a little reminder. Yes. And it's been nice too, because like they'll get up and it's, it's like attached, it's like attached to one of those key lanyards, you know, that, uh, that principals use and they'll just kind of, well, it, it starts on their bedroom door, bring it downstairs to the kitchen table, just kind of check things as they uh, tidy. And then like, oh yeah, my chores are done. So I'm doing X, Y, Z now, which is great. It's been, and it makes me stop. I've like stopped. I feel like it takes away the nagging aspect of things too. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's like, I'm we'll all just about check that. your list. Mm-hmm. I am so all about that. <laughs> Love it. Um, and the other thing that I've tried, and I don't know if you've mentioned this one, but you've mentioned other ones, is Snap Kitchen. Have you used that one? I haven't used that one. Okay, so Snap Kitchen, and I like Blue Apron, and I really like HelloFresh, and I like the meal kit ones, but yeah. also I have... I have like the pandemic has really thrown me off course with my eating habits. Yes. And so Snap Kitchen, it's like pre-made meals. Think of it as really nice, you know, lean cuisines, right? They're not, they're not frozen. They're fresh. Right. And they come to your door and, you know, you have, I have them for the week. And that's like one meal a day that I know I'm getting like vegetables and it's pre-cooked for me. And they have different options too. So like paleo or whole 30 or low carb or whatever. Um, so I've been really liking this and. And I find that while it is not super cheap, it's certainly less expensive than like, you know, going through the drive through at Panera or whatever, you know. So I really like that. And I feel like it's been helping me just get back on track because I have been, you know, eating my feelings, enjoying carbs, everything that everyone else has been doing uh, during quarantine. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing the same thing for my lunches. I have my lunches delivered. I'm using territory foods, but I want to try Snap Kitchen. But I I really think it's so helpful just to have that, if if you can swing it, to have that one thing taken off your plate. No pun intended, but just like, yeah. I have a healthy lunch, right? Like no matter what, I have a healthy lunch uh, that I don't have to make. I, it's honestly, been huge for me. Yeah. And for me, it's been like, no matter what, I've had a vegetable. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, today I'm thrilled to be talking with Kate Bowler. She is a podcaster. She has a podcast called Everything Happens. She's the author of a book called Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved. And I'm excited to talk to her today about our human tendency to circumvent pain and look for meaning immediately in the difficult things that happen to us. So Kate, what what is our deal with wanting and needing to explain yeah, and have a reason and a purpose for anything sideways that happens in our life from finding a parking spot to being saved from an incurable disease. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, um, and one of the things your book points out so beautifully, um, and especially in your understanding of messiness is that 
we often belong to traditions and institutions and communities that love the narrative more than they love us. Yeah. Like, yeah. And they like need the story to work out. Yes. And if we can't fit, we just like somehow intuit that if we can't fit into Mm -hmm. the story that we won't be loved in Mm -hmm. a way that we need to actually sustain our stupid lives. Yes. And like that is that. And like, that's a, that's a, and that's a betrayal on their part. It just really feels it just, it feels a lot like shame. It does. And I do, I, ha- I do feel I have been betrayed. I mean, that's a good word. I don't think I could have named that before you said that, but I have been betrayed in that way where I felt like yeah. my pain was so uncomfortable and my lack of willingness to like, you know, yeah. kind of create a, nar- a narrative around it yeah. that people have gone like, Ugh. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think your faith is slipping. Well, and we're, you know, and it's, we're storytelling machines. I get it. I do think we're like heat seeking missiles when it yeah. comes to wanting to like explain our lives and like figure out like yes. what the arc is, you know, uh-huh. cause it's hard to go through the middle if you don't think you're going to get to an end right. that's better than the like crappy, yes. horrible, right. unromantic mm-hmm. middle. Um, but like I, I do, and this is just my like historical hat I'll put over these enormous earphones. Um, but I do think that American culture has become particularly obsessed with a set of cultural scripts that it adopted in the late 19th century and that mm-hmm. just continue to um, not serve us well. Mm-hmm. And, and so that those in those sort of cultural myths yes. are in particular um, a rabid individualism, which <laughs> yeah. frankly people needed to explain cities. You know, when you're living in proximity with tens of thousands of people for the first time in American mm-hmm. cultural history, you just kind of wonder, why is that person doing well and I'm not? And like proximity breeds comparison. It breeds um, explanation and cheap paperbacks designed to sell you the solution. Yeah. And one of the solutions that it sold was a story that had begun to consolidate when it was trying to imagine. So it was like the beginning of the discipline of psychology and people mm-hmm. are, are trying to understand like, do we have power in our mind to change our circumstances? Mm. And so this huge subcurrent of religious and cultural thought centered around the idea that these like righteous individuals mm-hmm. could just harness the power of their attitude and their mind yeah. and their will. And yeah. like, it was just a version of bootstrapping and that they could transform their lives. And yeah. You know, it, it, it channels into these versions of religious history we think of as purely metaphysical, like new age, new thought. Mm-hmm. Actually, so I, I got this for my birthday. It's, uh, it's it just says, um, you'll see my microphone instead, but it just says, um, <laughs> zero dreams into the universe since 1980. It's so amazing. Like, like the idea, and we talk about it all the time, like, you know, good vibes and oh, yeah. um, like you're supposed to perform the mental strategies that mm-hmm. will make your life better. Right. And I mean, Christians, man, they got on board with that. They pretended to hate it, but like already by the twenties, there were tons of Christian paperbacks that came out that were like, you know what? I think mean, mm-hmm. faith, faith is the thing. Faith, yeah. faith is the tool. And so like when they say trust God, I'm sure you're like, yeah, to do what? Like right. what's, what's the thing I'm supposed to do? To right. enter into this miraculous transaction. Well, and isn't it wild how we've even almost evolved the meaning of the word faith to mean have faith. What what people meant when they said that to me is trust that God will give you a good thing. But that's not faith. That's not what faith is, right? No. Faith no. is believing in the unseen. It's not expecting, you know, that God is Santa Claus. 
Yeah. yeah. And, but and, expect, if expectation is spiritual work and that's the part that is like mentally. So when I was a teen learning to shave my legs, my mom did not do me any favors by buying me really cheap disposable razors. If you grew up in as a teen in the 90s, you know the ones and they left nicks and cuts all over me when I was trying to shave. So With two girls learning how to shave their legs right now, I am committed to making sure that they have good quality razors. Guys, I was probably well into my 30s before I realized the difference a quality razor makes. Today's sponsor is Athena Club. They have great razor kits that we have been using in our house for a couple months. The razor blades are awesome. They are surrounded by this water-activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid, so you get a silky smooth shave that actually leaves your skin soft and hydrated as opposed to stripped dry. And their blades are spaced out to let hair and shave cream pass through easily so you don't have to make a ton of passes going over and over the skin to remove the hair. Fewer passes means less irritation to your skin, which cuts down on razor burn and ingrown hairs. The razor kit is only $9 with free shipping, and it comes with two blade cartridges, a cute little magnetic hook for your shower storage, and your choice of a handle color. I personally chose the coral, but what I really like about it is they have a ton of different colors, black, white, pastel, neon. So if you have a big family like mine, everyone can have the razor in their own color so you don't get them confused. What I also love about Athena Club, you guys know I love automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their cloud shave foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club Razor Kit. You can get 20% off your first order at athenaclub.com with the promo code SELFIE. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with the promo code SELFIE for 20% off. We've talked a lot about skincare on the show and specifically tretinoin. If you're not familiar, it's a retinoid, which is an active vitamin A derivative that's used to improve the texture, tone, and appearance of the skin. Today's sponsor, Dear Brightly, has a product called Night Shift, and tretinoin is the active ingredient in Night Shift. This is the only FDA-approved retinoid for treating photoaging, which is premature skin aging due to long-term sun exposure. Tretinoin stimulates collagen production to prevent and treat signs of premature skin aging from years of sun damage, things like fine lines and wrinkles, dark spots, uneven skin tone, and big pores. Tretinoin can only be acquired through a prescription, but it's 20 times more potent than the -the over-the-counter retinol products. It's one of the most well-researched ingredients with over 50 years of research behind it for both acne and photoaging. I had a chance to try Night Shift, and I'm really liking it. I have the unfortunate experience of having both breakouts and wrinkles at the same time, and it's great for both. I have seen my fine lines decreasing. I've seen my skin tone looking better, and it feels really nice. If you've used an over-the-counter retinol before, you know it's really great, but a dermatology-grade retinoid is even better. Night Shift is their dermatologist-formulated serum that's tailored to your skin by doctors online. Dear Brightly works by you first of all starting by sharing your skin story with them, then a doctor evaluates your skin and your skin history. They then tailor your formula and write a prescription, if applicable, and your tailored serum will be delivered to you in the mail. It's super simple and easy. Head to www.dearbrightly.com and enter the promo code SELFIE to get 15% off your first order, which is their very best offer 
offer anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. Screwed up. Mm-hmm. You can that is the absolute, <laughs> I, it, it is a deep Christian fuck up yeah. that we imagine that our expectation harnesses a spiritual power that makes yes. God real. God yeah. is already real. Right. Like, I could be like lying in a hospital bed and God, and I, and still have faith and trust and hope. Yeah. Like it's not a magical yes. thing we perform and that's gotten super confused in people's minds and yes. they put that crap and especially they put that crap on women. So. Yes. Yes. Your whole miscarriage account, it just like broke my heart because they just expected you to perform like a, a real positivity that like God was going to bring, you know, well, and, that was going to story up. And even after that, you know, it was interesting because then I did go on to adopt and then I did go on to have two, I carried two pregnancies to term um, of 10 total. And then I had people say, well, you know, if you hadn't miscarried, you wouldn't have adopted Jafta. And, or, you know, well, thank goodness for the miscarriages because you obviously, you know, God had a different plan. And I'm just like, no, I still don't feel that way. Like I, my family has worked out so perfectly and I, I love, you know, I love my kids and I still wish I hadn't gone through any of it. And I'm sure you feel that way too. You know, like I I wish that didn't happen to me. Yeah. But then they're asking you to do the mental work of gratitude. Like when you're in the horrible thing, they ask you to perform optimism. And then Mm. when you're done, then they ask you to perform gratitude. And like, when do you just get to stop performing and be like, you know, like, okay, that was the worst. Yeah. Still somehow I am a beloved creature of God. Yeah. Yes. But I want off the train. I just want off the performance train. (laughs) But it's like, it feels like that story doesn't sell well. The story of just like, yeah, really bad things happened and God was available for comfort, but not solution, you know, wasn't a solution fairy for me. Like that's, it feels like that story doesn't sell well, right? That story doesn't write, you know, sell paperbacks. <laughs> no, no. In fact, it's funny. That's exactly what Sarah and I were talking about in the podcast yesterday. Is she just said, because she's a perfect, sorry, Sarah Bessie. Sarah Bessie, yeah. A recent uh, book, um, Miracles and Other Reasonable Things. Yes. Did I get the title right? Yes. Um, one of my favorite parts about Sarah Bessie's story is that in Pentecostalism, the tradition she's from, um, there's such a, a thick language of expectation that God can be there for more than simply like comfort and other yeah. therapeutic benefits. Like sometimes God like breaks into history and changes things, but then other times God doesn't. Mm-hmm. And like that we need a, a, an account because I think it's so funny because all my progressive friends in the second year, like I'm praying for a miracle. They're like, well, let's lower your expectations. <laughs> It's like, let's get it done. I'm out. <laughs> I don't want to feel awkward for you when it doesn't yes. go well. So like, let's just bring it down a notch. And then all the, you know, and then the more so supernaturalists, they're just like miracle or bust. Yeah. <laughs> like you get like yeah. everything or nothing. <laughs> but you know, how does that feel for you when people offer you that miraculous prayer? Yeah. You know? Stressful. Right? Feels- like, yes. like, I kind of want I, people to yeah. hear what that other side feels like. When, yeah, when it, people come yeah. in strong with like, we're just going to, we're going to pray for a miracle. Like, I, I don't, I, I have to really, okay. I, okay. I have like, I have mixed feelings. Yeah. One overwhelming feeling is when this doesn't work out, you will think I failed. 
that yeah. God will never fail in your story. Yeah. I'll be the one who fails. If I, when I still die of cancer, you're going to think, mm-hmm. man, she just, she really didn't pray for that miracle. Mm-hmm. She didn't, she didn't do this. She didn't do that. So part of it is that mm-hmm. I also have, I also sort of feel I'm, I'm just in a more, you know, I, I teach at Duke Divinity School, so it's like a mainline seminary. And sometimes some of the more like progressive mainline denominations, they're just like not big uh, prayers, mm-hmm. like, and they're certainly not out loud prayers. And I mm-hmm. kind of felt like they were just too polite to mm-hmm. hope that I would still live. And like the politeness was killing me. Oh, and I was so like, hey, I'm actually really struggling. And yeah. I'm like, you're asking me to tell you what's going on. I can't even help but like my, you know, cry all the time. And mm-hmm. you're just like, well, well, hope that works out. <laughs> and it's like, as Christians, we have a little more than that. Like we yes. can pray for each other. And so yes. sometimes I felt a little relieved that they just kind of wanted me to live enough to like break the barrier of small, of Christian small talk. <laughs> so, and then I think it takes like a really close friend that can help like step into that tender place and, and, and like believe that your body is good enough for God to heal but not mm. make it feel your responsibility yeah. to save yourself. And that's Gosh, like a yeah. delicate little place. So I, don't know. I only had a couple people who are like really good at that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is really the tension, isn't it? It's, it's that, you know, believing that you're worthy, but not that your worthiness can control it. Yeah. 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 Yes. Worthy, but not in control would be like a really nice soft place I think for those of us who are like openly suffering like how did you feel were you like please pray for my body and for its you know and for fertility like how did you how did you square the like the hard edges you were I had a really hard time when people would want to come and pray for me in the middle of a miscarriage because you know I also believe in science and like Uh, You know, I know that the amount of things coming out are that like, there's no putting that genie back in the bottle. Like, you know, when when I'm like actively miscarrying, like I know how this ends. I don't think this is just going to like, yeah, bleeding will stop and I won't be having a miscarriage anymore. Right. Or there were times where, you know, maybe I'd had an ultrasound and, and it had been confirmed. There's no heartbeat left. And so I felt when people prayed for a miracle for me in that, I felt angry. There's angry. a cruelty. There's yeah. a cruelty. Just like that. you guys are yeah. not like real. Yeah. We got to be in reality here, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That's such a powerful point, Kristen. There's a, there is a cruelty to that. And yeah, like, cause it, it, it creates like a weird brinksmanship. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just felt like. I wanted to crawl out of my skin. Like, guys, look at what's happening. You know, look at what's happening here. Yeah. Like, let's yeah. just be in reality. Dishonest. Yes. Yeah. That makes complete sense to me. Cause I haven't yet been at the point where I was like, <laughs> sorry for all this candor. <laughs> You're just really making me think. Yeah. I, I hadn't really ever been to the point where I was, it was definitely too late. Right. I was always at the point where it was almost too late. And so mm-hmm. when someone gave, when someone stopped praying for me, it felt like they were giving up on me. Mm-hmm. That makes if sense. I was at the point where I needed my family and everyone to like rally and to just like shut it down in yeah. a faithful way, if someone prayed for me, then I would be like, you don't love me yeah. in the way that you need to love me. Yeah. So I can see what you're saying. Yeah. I, or it felt it, like it was more for them to feel some, 
you know, sense of power and control, because really that's what we want, isn't it? At the end of the day, we're all looking for control, even over the stories of our friends, (laughs) you know? (laughs) But what does your story say about my story? What if your... (laughs) I don't like how this narrative is making me feel. I feel like you're, I think this is true about, um, you know, like the way people frame, like the second one person gets divorced, they're like, oh no, that's giving me a lot of Mm -hmm. marriage marriage questions. Oh, it's so true. Right. And so I do think pain and suffering, especially, you know, I think it's interesting even having these conversations because I think if we, you know, had grown up in a country where suffering is a little more tangible and real, mm-hmm. you know, we, we live in a lot of privilege. We, you know, we, we aren't a, as acquainted with death and grief and suffering as many other countries. Right. Yeah. And it's almost like that's one of the reasons we get so inspired when we go on mission trips, you know, and people say dumb things like I saw Jesus in their eyes or, you know, they had so much joy despite, you know, it's like, we can't conceive of, life with pain because we've been so shielded from it with our modern medicine and our, you know, right. And, and I feel like even some of our theology, for me, the minute the theology broke down was like, you go visit Haiti and you're like, listen, (laughs) there's no such thing as having enough faith to be saved from suffering because all these people are faithful and it, and they're all, you know, yeah. And their, their families being decimated by malaria or, you know, so, or an earthquake, you know, but I feel like the reason that we get to sit in these crazy faulty theologies is because of privilege, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. because we've just not experienced in, you know, in our twenties or thirties, maybe, um, yeah, true suffering. Yeah. And, and so I like that. I like that theory. I'd also say like in the little sort of tripod of humanity, you know, for like heart, body, and, you know, mind uh-huh. that like for a hundred years, we have way overinflated the mind component. Mm, and talk we to me gotten, about that. Well, I think like, I think we've gotten very confused about how much, and I, part of this is because of the mainstreaming of, of, of psychology, frankly, yeah. that we, we, we've replaced that as a spiritual category for, for what is primarily us. Like if you ask someone mm. what they are, they usually think that they are just a working mind. Yeah. And then we use all this language, like your therapist, you're more familiar with this than I am. Oh, like, you totally. know, we start every sentence with, with largely therapeutic idioms. Like, yeah, I feel that, or mm-hmm. you know, we have a, a, a huge vocabulary for how, Mm-hmm. We are, we are thoughts that need to be corrected yes. and we are, we are, I'm sure thoughts that need to be corrected, yes. but I do think that churches got confused in thinking that our brains were the primary driver of faith. And if we just mm. had the right thoughts, everything would work out. Hmm. And I think we all know experientially that, um, that righteous people die every day yeah. and terrible, terrible people thrive and yeah. And that the place in between is knowing that like we are some weird combination in there of heart and body and mind and all of them are beloved by God and none of them are really in control of the universe. (laughs) I mean, that is the truth. Like, I just feel like you explained it all. (laughs) Yeah, that's the truth. I'm going to put zero dreams out then. Yeah. To the universe. <laughs> As a result. I mean, it, it, it is kind of interesting, you know, 
my daughter said to me the other day, she's 10. And she said, I feel like God is not answering my prayers, Mm. you know, and I, it's so interesting trying to raise children in a way that's different from how I was raised, which was this sort of a little bit of a prosperity gospel, like have enough faith and God will heal you. Yeah. And it, (laughs) I feel like I almost said what your t-shirt said. I mean, I was just kind of like, well, that's not really what he does, (laughs) but (laughs) you could pray for him to come near. Coming near is in the Bible. (laughs) For sure. For sure. And we're hoping for some big surprises. Yeah. We're hoping for a big, big finish. We're hoping for lots of stuff in there. That seems really great. I think it's, I think it's, it's hard when, when you've had the language of certainty, that's like so weaponized against the tender. Yeah. Want to like, you know, wrap your spiritual arms around the, the tender folks and not the overcorrection is to not promise anything. The Mm -hmm. undercorrection is so true. Allow the culture to weaponize. Yeah suffering. Yeah. Well, and I mean, to be fair, her prayer, unanswered prayers were uh, in regards to me giving her more screen time. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, I don't think that's God's job. I'm yeah. glad you're pr- praying for that. That's my job. And I say no. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's weird, but our a message from our Lord and Sovereign God's coming in. And yes. God's, God's definitely saying no. It's weird. Yeah. I heard Got my earpiece in and he (laughs) feels like 30 minutes is enough for you. (laughs) Screen time. That's so funny. You know that your kid is like really privileged when their like fervent nightly prayer is like about screen time. Like what kind of life are you living? (laughs) Totally. I'm starting to count the number of times I say things like, um, uh, no, you can't watch one more of that. Also, whose blood is that? I mean, there's just a lot of <laughs> totally really getting what really is getting there. I feel like every day I walk downstairs, I'm like, what? What is this rated? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> we watch this Hellboy. It's like the best afterthought ever, right? Hey, guys. hey oh, <laughs> oh well. I also do that with my children <laughs> a lot. Like we start watching a show, and then I'm like. <laughs> Cool. Should have cool. Googled this one first. Yeah. I'm just going to undo that from your minds. Oh, That's man. Fair. Well, we forget how crass those 80s movies were. Yeah. Back to the Future is more than I remember. Um, airplane has boobs. Airplane <laughs> has boobs, like naked boobs. Yeah. How do I know that? Because I showed it to a bunch of boys at a slumber party. So then, you know, I get to like send a text to all the parents like I'm really sorry (laughs) your kids saw some boobs in my house (laughs) I want you to hear it from me that's very much a text I would like to see a screenshot of (laughs) well because I'm thinking they're going to hear it out of context right the kid's just going to go home and be like we watched boobs at Jaffa's house we were shown boobs we were shown boobs yeah we were sat down and instructed to look at boobs at that home (laughs) Now we're just totally off topic, but I have this David Sedaris coffee table book. It's like his journals. It's a big book. It sits on our coffee table. And there was some like, there was some penises, you know, there was some casual, casual man standing around with everything out. And my kids were like, no, this can't sit out. <laughs> and I'm like, I, there's a part of me that's like, it's the human body, you know, whatever. <laughs> but then there's a part of me that's like, 
I know that this is going to be the story of the Howerton house is that they have, they have penis pictures on the coffee table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to answer for this by text. No. So I yeah. took a Sharpie and I drew a speedo <laughs> overall. Win-win. All of the penises. Anyway. <laughs> I'd, say, I'd, I'd say that's, that's called compromise. It is. Yes. Anyway. Um, all right. I, love your book so much. I really do. Aww, I, I, I cannot recommend it enough. I think Thanks. you find such a lovely balance between sort of pushing back on some of these narratives, but then not, your book is not about putting zero out into the universe. It's not, you know, <laughs> it, it is a lovely balance of, of figuring out um, what narratives are not serving us well and, you yeah, know, thanks. how to move it, you know, I, and I, I love talking with people like you where I feel like we've maybe challenged our faith and deconstructed it a little bit, but it's still there, right? Like, yeah. you know, it's it's yeah. not that we're not being snarky because we've walked away. We're being snarky because we're still in it and we still love it and we want it yeah. to be good. And, yeah. and we want our faith and, you know, people's experience of God to be healthy and whole and non-toxic. Yeah. And I think like for you know, when we, when we sort of take a minute to rest on the harder moments of our lives, the, the, the moments of real undoing, those are moments in which the stories we were told, like they didn't, they didn't make, they didn't show us who God could be. Mm-hmm. And they didn't allow us to experience a God who could love us throughout yeah. in a way we needed to hear. And like, and simultaneously we get that, like, every story of God needs to be able to account for our biographies. So like the prosperity gospel has this terrible way of telling you that every single thing in your life is proof. Hmm. The -hmm. opposite of that is not that absolutely nothing in our lives is proof. I would love to look around and Mm -hmm. feel like the goodness of God, like shining back to me in like gorgeous people I get to meet. Yeah. But without, without imagining then that like, Mm -hmm. that everything is also a weapon used against me. Yeah. Certainty was a thing I was supposed to figure out a long time ago. Right. Or without rewriting people's pain to, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I, we joked about this at the very beginning, but just without rewriting a narrative that says that when someone loses a child or loses a loved one, that like, God's really going to bring this to his glory. Like Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. not what, you know, God doesn't give us pain for that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I settled on the idea that I'm over lessons, but I'm not over meaning. Yeah. Like like that, like, yes, God can be found in the darkest, most terrible places. And I have found beauty and honesty and goodness there. But that is not to say that if I could choose, I wouldn't go back. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to, um, your book will be linked up below oh, our, na- our, so our things, but where can people find you like online, Instagram, oh, Facebook, yes. all that good stuff. I am on the interwebs at katebowler.com and I've got, uh, I was just, sorry, I'm pausing because I'm thinking about how great your Instagram feed is, which is there. <laughs> but I'm also on Instagram <laughs> at, uh, on Twitter at Kate Bowler. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kate. I'm so glad we did this. Hi guys, I'm BJ, an emotional wellness coach. In my private practice, I help clients navigate trauma, attachment wounds, and the roles they play in how we show up in our lives every day. I've learned my self-care depends upon nurturing my mental well-being, so I'm here to invite you into a journey of emotional self-care. 
As we continue to address the cluster of questions we've received, today we're looking at how to help our kids thrive in the midst of our fears, uncertainties, and continued limitations, and also what to do when you and your spouse disagree on what resumption of activities and socialization should look like for our kids. So how have your kids fared through this? My experience has been that some kids have actually thrived through the whole experience. Others, most likely, have really struggled for lots of reasons. So what has struggling looked like in your home? I'll start with this. No matter what your kid has struggled with, how he has struggled is COVID's fault. The normalcy we talked about last week can lead us to believe our kids have moved on, especially if you're one of those people who's quick to say children are so resilient. That's actually not a true statement. Some children are resilient, just like some adults are resilient. Children are not, by the very nature of being children, resilient. In reality, kids are greatly affected by their environment, more so than they realize. There are a number of ways this may have shown up for your kids. Reversion behavior is one of them. Little kids who are recently potty trained might have started having accidents again, or they may start sucking their thumb again, or drag out their old blankie. Older kids and adolescents might have more temper tantrums, moodiness, anger. Kids who are more prone to fear might actually become more compliant or needy or just stick close. Anxiety often looks like stomach aches, headaches, loss or increase in appetite, sleeping too much or having a hard time falling asleep, but it might not be associated with ruminative thoughts. Your child might even say they're not scared at all. So how do we help? Well, one way is to create soothing spaces. I have a client whose very sensitive young son was really struggling recently, and I recommended she find a space that's only his. He has four siblings and really struggles to find space to be alone and kind of regulate himself. So she cleared out a closet, added a lamp, a shelf, some of his favorite books and toys, and he loves it. He spends so much time in there, and he has been doing so much better since he's had it. Another thing is until it's safe for kids to play together again, be intentional about creating time for your kids to connect with friends, family, and grandparents. And get creative with it. And be careful not to let your own fatigue with Zoom calls lead you away from providing those digital resources for your kids. They can tolerate screens longer than we can. Lastly, the most challenging thing your kids need might be the thing you have the least of, and that's your time. Kids need their feelings validated, and parents often are very dismissive of kids' feelings. But the more time and attention you give them to process what they're feeling, to be in their feelings, to talk through their concerns, the better off they'll be. Some parents actually protect their kids from scary topics and facts. Certainly be cautious and age-appropriate, but kids can handle so much more than you think. Nothing erodes trust faster than protecting them from information, and it starts really young. Last week, I mentioned it was okay for your kids to see you struggle, especially if you have a fearful kid. Kids' fears come from the same place adults' fears come from, the amygdala. That part of the brain that assesses for threat is online from birth and starts writing those threatening stories at a very young age. Kids need to know if their fears are grounded in a true threat. More importantly, they need to know when their fears are completely unfounded. I so wish my parents had understood this. I was such a scared kid all the time. Not only did no one ever address my fears, they never talked about their own fears. And the unspoken rule I somehow knew as early as four was that it wasn't okay to be scared. So I lay in fear of the monster in the closet and under my bed, of having to have my tonsils out, of throwing up, thanks to overhearing a conversation about aspiration, and of course, dying. 
Look at me. I'm 62, still alive. I still have my tonsils. I never saw a monster in my bedroom or in the dark hallway on the way to the bathroom. I haven't even thrown up very many times, but when I did, I survived. Those fears stole my sleep and my peace of mind throughout my childhood, and no one ever knew. Children are most afraid of what they don't understand, so give your kids time and space to talk about all of the things. Also, according to an NPR article I read recently, the added benefit of this is it fosters hope for the future. Psychiatrist Joshua Morgenstein says being honest and direct is actually a way of teaching your child to feel hopeful. Hope isn't about pretending everything's okay. It's about recognizing things can be very, very difficult. And in the midst of all of that, we can still find ways to grow as individuals and as a family and to strengthen our connection with each other and with the people we care about. So the other question I want to address today is, what do you do when you and your partner don't agree on how and when kids should resume some of their activities and socializing with their peers? This is a hard one. Here's where I recommend you start. This is likely one of the most important parenting conversations you will ever have in your lifetime, and I'd lead with that. I would ask your partner if he agrees that it's important that you find a middle ground, at least, and come to an amenable agreement at best. From the beginning, my stance on masks has been that wearing one errs on the side of caution, and that's given me a tremendous sense of peace and safety. So maybe you can agree to choose the more cautious route, just to be safe. Another important thing to understand, despite the fact that there's still so much we don't know, what we absolutely know is that if we wear masks, wash our hands, and don't touch our faces, we are most likely safe. So maybe you agree for your kids to spend time with their friends, but only in your yard, where you can observe them, both kids have to wear masks, and you limit the length of of time there together. I'm obviously assuming you have a very reasonable and compassionate spouse. I know some moms are navigating these things with exes who are actually hostile about it. In those cases, I honestly don't have an answer. In fact, I'd really like to see this conversation continue in our Selfie Community Facebook group because I know there are a number of our listeners who are in similar situations and maybe we can support one another with some experiences and solutions there. See you soon. Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at at selfiepodcast and in the Selfie Podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care. Take care.